that was a very interesting difference between like first generation wealth and second generation wealth and third generation wealth. Sometimes I would see that second and third were like paralyzed by a fear of losing money. Whereas that first generation was just all about the creativity. And it was that ambition and fearlessness that got them to, when you're talking about like the billionaires and the multimillionaires, there's just something in their DNA where that fear is not there like it is with most people. Welcome to The Wealthy and Well Woman, a podcast that celebrates choosing a life of overflow. If you're looking to grow your business, live on purpose, and feel your best while doing it, then you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Kat Sanuski, the business coach for wellness leaders and visionary female entrepreneurs, founder of Be Well Events, and international yoga teacher and trainer. My goal in this podcast is to help you curate your life by design and claim your dream business by giving you actionable tips and trainings that help you get out of your own way, step into your power and monetize your magic. I'll be bringing you a thought training or interview from experts that will help you break through your fears, take action and grow into those massive visions that you can't stop thinking about. I am so happy you're here. Now let's get started. Hello, wealthy and well woman. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have an exciting guest, Caitlin, who is the founder and CEO of Theory Planning Partners, which is a boutique wealth creation firm for the top female entrepreneurs in the United States. Before launching Theory Planning Partners, Caitlin spent the majority of her career at UBS Financial Services, Inc., where she held roles in both the Southern and Northeastern regions of the U.S. There, she developed more than 300 financial plans for clients with assets ranging from $500,000 to $1 billion. Subsequently, she became an advisor on a private wealth management team that managed over $600 million for a few dozen families. Her career began in asset management with Putnam Investments. Caitlin is also a certified financial planner, certified exit planning advisor, and an accredited wealth management advisor. Outside of work, she is a spiritual seeker, ravenous to understand why we are here and how to make a meaningful life. Caitlin lives in Marblehead, Mass. What, what? <laughs> East Coast. We just talked about this before we started recording, actually. Um, with her husband, Jake, their sons, Russell and Luke, and their affectionate dog. In her free time, she enjoys exercising, reading, traveling, and trying new restaurants around Boston. What is your dog's name? Aukus. Bacchus. Okay. I was like seeing that in your bio and I'm like, I'm not going to try to pronounce that right now because <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to botch it. So <laughs> it was um, a very, uh, it seems like a super original name up here, but it's a very common name in new Orleans. It's oh, the, is it? Okay. Yeah. The, I've never heard of it. The Roman God of wine and debauchery. Oh my and, God. I love it. <laughs> yeah, one of the Mardi Gras parades is named Bacchus. So. Oh, no way. Okay. Um, I love it. Okay. Well, welcome to the wealthy and well woman podcast. I'm excited to help uh, to have you here today. We're going to be chatting all about wealth creation for female entrepreneurs, which is really your specialty. And I'm so excited to hear more about that process and more about your experience, your experience with helping female entrepreneurs with wealth creation. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here and also with a fellow New Englander. Yes. So how did you get started in this 
field. I know you work with a lot of online um, business owners now. I know that you have a history in you know financial planning and all of that, but how did you really become passionate about this topic? And I guess, what is your mission now? So what got you here and what really drives your mission now? Yeah. Um, so I was a psychology major in college. And so I've always been fascinated by what makes us tick and emotions and thoughts and how that shapes our life. But I also always saw myself in finance. My grandfather was a venture capitalist and he bought me my first stock when I was eight years old, which at the time was incredibly disappointing because it was just this abstract concept versus like a tangible gift. Um, But it definitely planted a seed for me that stuck with me long-term because I remember Say, well, I remember he explained to me that, that this could make money for me and it could generate a lot of money over a long period of time. And I remember saying, well, how can it, how can I make money if I'm not working? And I actually forgot about that for a really long time. It wasn't until I started theory that I started thinking back about like my earliest introduction to investing and the power of investing. Um, And so, and my father was also in finance and I really pictured myself in finance. So I started after college by going into asset management, um, which I worked for a mutual fund company. And with this company, it was exclusively sold through financial advisors. So when I was working at that company, Putnam Investments, that's when I learned what financial advisors did. And I thought, what an amazing combination between my passions, because I can work with finance, I can work in finance and work with money, but I'm doing it with families and individuals. And so it was really that relationship piece brought into it that would give me meaning and fulfillment. And so my husband received a job offer that moved us down to New Orleans for four years. And when we made that transition, I moved from asset management into wealth management And I was very deliberate about the firm that I chose. I went to UBS Financial Services. They were a premier wealth management firm globally. Um, They capped the number of advisors that they had. And I I liked that level of intention. And I knew I was going to get a very good education and training there. So I got my certified financial planning designation there. I entered as a planner covering the Southeast. And so I supported all the financial advisors across four states, really introducing them to the concept of financial planning. Um, For a long time, it was just brokers who were selling products. And so this idea of taking a holistic approach to someone's financial life was still very new when I got into the industry. And through that experience, um, I really fell in love with business owners. I fell in love with how dynamic they were, um, how passionate they were, the ambition that they had. But one thing that I noticed over and over again is that business owners were really poorly prepared for retirement. They were often blindsided by the event. It was usually triggered by some sort of like health event or fatigue And, um, I, so after I graduated out of that planning position, I became a private wealth advisor, which was really eye-opening and interesting in terms of seeing how like the 1% of the 1% live and steward their money. But I did keep thinking about where my passion lied and it really was with those first generation business owners. And so, um, throughout my experience, you know, 
doing these 300 plans, like you mentioned, like not one of those was for a woman. And as a woman in her twenties, that was really discouraging and somewhat depressing to me that I couldn't look to one person to emulate. And so when I was in private wealth, I really had some time to reflect on, on what a fulfilling career to me would be. And I knew that I also wanted to be a mother and the reality of the current situation is that it's, it's very hard to be a private wealth advisor and be a mother. It's still that environment. You know, I moved back up to the Northeast and it's still very much that environment of, um, most of the advisors are men and they have stay at home wives. And so it just very much looked like it was going to have to be a choice for me. And I didn't want to have to make that choice. So it was really a combination of all these things, like what I wanted for myself personally, also seeing there's this cohort of business owners that's severely underserved by the typical wealth management model and seeing that there's a complete lack of women, not only that I'm surrounded by as colleagues, but also in the clientele. And so theory is really the brainchild of how to solve for all three of these things. And I think the biggest differentiator for us is our fee structure. Our fee structure allows us to take all of that private wealth strategy and service that I was used to giving billionaires and multimillionaires and bringing that to women who would otherwise never have access to this type of support. So that is the mission that drives me today is seeing how life-changing access to this information can be for our clients. And that was probably very long-winded, but maybe no, make it. <laughs> no, it was amazing. It, it was very comprehensive and really helps us understand more of your background. And I love it. It's such a unique path. And it just makes me think of how all of us do have these super unique paths. Like, you know, you started out in psychology and then you had men in your family that worked in finance and you were introduced and the passions blended and you built this beautiful business where you're able to help people really in this mix of passions. And that's what we're about at the wealthy and well woman. So I love, I love your story in general, and I would love to hear more about some things that you learned from working with some of the wealthiest people in America. Like what are some of their habits, I guess, or, or like, what are some of the um, core things that they did to build and maintain and generate more wealth? Yeah. So I'm so glad that you touched on that word habits, because the one thing that I noticed is that regardless, it always comes back to habits. Like a lot of the wealthiest people that we worked with, whether they had super strong saving habits or a lot of self-discipline, um, and that could be in the form of running super successful companies, um, that could be in the form of them being really diligent savers, they had very strong temporal perspective. And that's a psychology term, but essentially that means that they have a very strong understanding of the future and a very strong connection to making decisions today that will impact them in the future. Whereas the majority of people think moment to moment, day to day, these people are thinking decades in advance, years in advance to decades in advance. I love that. They're not thinking about like what's the easiest or the smartest necessarily in this moment, but they're planning for the future. And did you see that a lot in not only their 
you know, financial moves of what they're doing with their money. Like maybe they're super lean on their spending now. And it's all about, you know, how that's generating wealth for them in the future. Did you also see this in, you know, like lifestyle? Did you see this in many other aspects or are we talking like strictly how they spend, save, invest their money? So that's a good question because I think it's oftentimes what I would see is there's also just this like complete lack of fear around money, especially when you're dealing with first generation wealth. It's always this notion of like, I can make more money. And um, that was a very interesting difference between like first generation wealth and second generation wealth and third generation wealth. Sometimes I would see that second and third were like paralyzed by a fear of losing money. Whereas that first generation was just all about the creativity. And it was that ambition and fearlessness that got them to, when you're talking about like the billionaires and the multimillionaires, there's just something in their DNA where that fear is not there like it is with most people. And that usually catapulted them into this like otherworldly range where at that point, it's like the money is just compounding on itself. And you're kind of like detached from any form of reality because you have this, you've built this money machine that's now just generating money above and beyond what you would ever need to support your lifestyle. And that can also get you you into trouble as well if you're not good at managing it. Hence why people hire wealth managers, you know, because it can become this consumption event that gets out of control. So certainly when the sophisticated and smart people got to this point of success, they would surround themselves with a team that held them accountable to making smart decisions. Yes. I love this even with business owners. Like I work with a lot of coaches, a lot of um, wellness entrepreneurs, and it comes back to being bold, taking rest, thinking of what you want your desired life and business to look like and taking action for that rather than in this moment, what is it now? You know, are people, how many signups are you getting now? And then acting in reaction to that instead of proactively for where you're going instead of where you are right now. So I love that concept there as well, um, with money and with business. And, um, I would love to hear too, like you said, is it can also get you in a lot of trouble, like online business owners. I think there's so much around, like, take the risk, do the thing, plan for where you're going, not for where you are now, which is so important as you've seen working with all of these you know, people that are some of the wealthiest people, um, that it is so important to that. But then there's that fine line, right. Of, you know, investing way above your means before you have it. And then adding stress onto that. And then kind of adding like a snowball effect into the the wrong way of where you don't want to go. Um, so do you have like, it can really be both. It can be like a both end. So it's like knowing that balance of, okay, how do I make these decisions for my future? How do I take risks? How do I release the money fears and the the money mindset that's really holding me back and, and paralyzing me and make right decisions? So this is, you know, of course, like <laughs> an answer that probably is going to take a lot more than, oh, you do this. But I would love <laughs> to hear your approach for what are some steps that you might advise someone who's in a position where maybe they want to invest in their business or 
they want to invest in, in something or they're wanting to release that fear around money and make a decision for their future. Do you have any maybe questions to consider or a couple of steps that may be helpful for them to kind of like take that next step and to think of, okay, is this the right move for me? Or um, is this a mindset thing? Or is this a reality thing where it's just way too much for me right now? Mm-hmm. So as you were talking, the thing that kept coming to mind is calculated risk, calculated mm-hmm. risk. So like, and you're not necessarily going to know how to do that, which is what, this is why we work with clients. Like, this is what we help them do because this is getting into more of like my woo side, but like we do live in this dualistic reality where we're in everything we do, we're always going to be trying to find the balance, strike the balance. Like I have a client who's getting married in August. She's a super successful entrepreneur. And she was like, I don't know, should, should we spend this much money on flower or like, maybe we shouldn't do this. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is your wedding. Like just you, you're fine. You're in a great place, like spend it, enjoy the day. And so being in a place to give my client permission like that, it's, it brings me so much joy because we can deliver so much clarity and intention to our clients when they have context to make informed decisions. And so I say that to say the earlier you can surround yourself with a team that can support you in this type of expertise, the better. So going back to like more practical things that I would want people to take away from this podcast, you don't have to be making any money in your business right now to come up with what your financial freedom number is. You can Google a retirement calculator. So when I let, let's take like me, for example. So I started my business in 2020, like I was really not making much money at all, but I sat down and thought about what is my, what is my dream to achieve? Because like, I'm also an Enneagram three. So I like have to give myself goals. And I thought, okay, if I want to be financially free by let's say age 60, because I do enjoy working, but I want to have the option to walk away from work at that age. Cause I saw so many people. And when I was a planner where they would be 65 and I'd be like, I'm sorry, you have no choice. You have to like keep working for another 15 years. So I said, okay, what if I make my financial freedom age, age 60, and I want a lifestyle of $30,000 a month, how much would I need to save right now to achieve that financial freedom? Just Google retirement calculator, put it in, spits out like $13,000 a month. So I'm like, okay, I need to get my business to pay me everything to cover my lifestyle right right now, but also provide $13,000 a month to go towards this financial freedom. And it's not like you put it in this time capsule and don't look at it until you're 60. It all builds on itself. As I am putting away this money on a monthly basis, I'm becoming more attractive to banks. Um, It's becoming easier and easier for me to build wealth because I have wealth. So it all starts compounding on itself. But again, to your point, it comes back to habits. You have to have the clarity, right? To see what do I need my business to provide me with? I need my, my business to cover my living expenses and I need it to 
provide me with $13,000 a month. If I'm saving $13,000 a month year over year, before I know it, I'm going to have a pretty healthy net worth. That's going to make me look very attractive to banks. That's going to make lending easier. That's going to make it easier to obtain my, that dream house that I want for a lower cost. Like it's all working for you and it's all working together in the right direction. And I think sometimes when we talk about financial freedom, people are like, oh, that's so boring. Cause like, I'm going to do this and not look at it for, if I'm 30 and I'm looking at 60, I'm going to do this and not look at it for 30 years. That's absolutely not true. Like your financial picture is getting brighter and brighter and brighter as you are using this discipline to continue to contribute. And so to that point, you don't need a $2 million business to pay you $13,000 a month. And this is like one of the things that I love talking to my clients about. You could have a very healthy half a million dollar business, $300,000 business. You don't need to be like on Instagram saying, I hit seven figures. I had business owners come into me that they run a four and a half million dollar business and their profit margins are a hundred thousand dollars. It's like, there's not much I can do with this, you know? So to me, and this has been a a learning curve for me as well, because when I first started theory, I didn't even know if female entrepreneurs existed, honestly, because I had never seen them before. And so it took me a while to like, get to know the landscape, get to know the psychology, get to know the industry. And what I've realized over time is, um, is that saying of like revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, cash is king. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't really care what your revenue is. I care what your profit margins look like. And I care how that relates back to living an intentional life. And that's really what we're trying to help you do. Mm, I love this just for the basis of financial planning of, of (laughs) like where to start. Um, and, and yeah, I agree. I think on Instagram and everything, people can get so wrapped up in, you know, I sold this amount, but not, I'm actually profiting this amount. And I think it skews a lot of people's realities of what their business should look like as well. And what some of their goals could actually look like. So I love that. And really coming back to those foundations as well. Do you, are there any other like core things that come to your mind for, um, creating a financial plan or just why business owners, like, I think you just went into why we need to have a financial plan because that's going to help you reach your goals and create wealth. Um, is, are there any other steps in there that you think would be important to, note in this, um, for our listeners? So, um, there's a couple things. I think that it's super important to emphasize that you need to start taking action today mm-hmm. because when you're investing, the greatest asset that you have is time. There's nothing that can replace time. And the more you hold off on this, the more you'll have to save. So like if we are scaling a mountain, Let's say we're starting at base camp is age 30 and the top of the mountain is age 60. You know, I don't get too hung up on the numbers either. Like $30,000 a month would be an incredibly healthy lifestyle. And we can always change and adapt this. I might end up saying, you know what? I actually want to live off of $10,000 a month. And therefore I only need to save $2,000 a month. Like that can always change and adapt. But I have plenty of choices right now at 32. As I start going up that mountain in terms of age, when I'm 40, I'm not going to have as many choices. 
When I'm 50, even fewer. When I'm 60, now I have to come up with $6 million. And what if my spouse is sick? What if I don't want to work anymore? What if I want to spend time with my grandkids? Wealth is not a specific number. It's the luxury of choice. And you want to give yourself the luxury of choice. And the younger you start, the less it takes. I might, let's say I rerun those numbers. And right now it's telling me I have to save $2,000 a month at 32. If I wait until I'm 40, it's going to look more like I have to save $6,000 a month. That's the cost of waiting eight years to start taking action. So um, it's very much about, for us, it's motivating our clients to take action because again, the younger you start, the less it takes. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I would say is, um, we highly encourage our clients to hire outsource CFOs. And the reason for that is we want to position our clients to be great at, or, or to focus on the one thing that they're great at, which is running their business. And we have a lot of creatives, a lot of visionaries. We're not expecting them to be the CFO. We just want to surround you with the right information and say, these are the goals you need to hit in the business you know how to run your business, go do it. Or if you don't know how to steward your finances within the business, like having a team that's going to help. I have a CFO, like, cause I, even though I'm great at personal finance, that doesn't mean I'm great at making financial decisions within my business. So I have monthly meetings with my CFO to make sure that the cash runway is healthy, that the offer that we're making to this employee is in line with what we can afford. Like these are all things that I need a professional to support me with, or I need my CPA to support me with because I'm fluent in tax strategies, but I'm not a CPA. And so once we surround our clients with a team of advisors that's when we really start seeing them take off. And I think one thing that I've seen happen a lot in um, in the online space is people will throw like $50,000 at a mastermind. And it's like, well, you could have hired a team of advisors to like really help you gain the clarity versus showing up to some bougie mastermind and like maybe getting one takeaway from it. That's my hot take. <laughs> I have a mixed review on this because I've been in bougie masterminds and I've absolutely loved them and gotten so much support and, you know, 10 X revenue and all of those things. So I think that there's, you know, of course, you know, different perspectives and fine lines, but what I, what I love about this is really, it's like find the right support for you and support mm -hmm. is going to be so huge and start now. Like, don't keep continuing to think about it and what's my next move. And maybe someday I'll do this. It's like, start wherever you can right now and find the right support to help you get some support now and stay in your zone of genius. <laughs> like I always say, stay in your zone of genius, find the right support to assist you in what they're really good at. So Caitlin, I have one last question for you. What does it mean for you to be a wealthy and well woman? I think for me, you can probably tell by this point, but it's really about living an intentional life. It's, I think that for so many of my clients and also for myself included, like my childhood had a lot of financial stress in it. And so having financial security and peace of mind would go a long way towards what I would consider healthy and, and wellness, but also, you know, time is finite and money is theoretically infinite. And so the time with my two and a half year old and my eight month olds 
I'll never get that back. And so for me, it's really having the spaciousness to create something that I'm passionate about, but also be the mom that I want to be and the human that I want to be outside of my business, you know, and, and constantly be dedicated to like personal growth and learning. So beautiful. I love that. Caitlin, where can our listeners find you if they want to plug in and learn more from you? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is theoryplanning.com. And at the bottom, there's a link to book a call with me. And I'm super passionate about this mission. So regardless of where you are, I'd be happy to have a conversation. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on today's episode of the Wealthy and Well Woman podcast. I am so grateful that you listened in. If you loved what you heard and you feel called to share, please go leave me a review on iTunes so I can make sure to keep all this good stuff coming your way. Also share this episode with someone you think would absolutely love it. And I will be so grateful. That's how we spread the wealthy and well woman mission together. If you aren't already following me on social media, come and join me by following at Kat Sanuski. I would love to connect with you there. And I cannot wait to connect you with you back here in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and shine as the wealthy and well woman you are.